been I've been sort of going through a series um, looking at the invitations of Jesus. Um, and so for, for the last three weeks, we've been looking at those. And the thing about invitations is that, that as we're extended an invitation, we have, the, um, we have the free will to whether to accept the invitation or, or not, to decline, to, to whatever is involved, whatever we're being invited into. Um, I always loved, we had a really good friend who used to always say, whatever you say yes to, um, you need to consider what, what that yes means you're saying no to something else. And the idea of, of this invitation, that Jesus is so aware of it. And, and frustratingly, sometimes, we all love the fact that God gives us free will until we want someone else to do something we want, and they say no. It's like, what? Free will is so overrated. Just do what I want you to do. Um, and so, <laughs> this is self-revealing, I guess. Um, but, and yet, Jesus, as he invites us, he does so with that, there is an incredibly powerful and essential component of each one of these invitations that it requires each of us on a very regular basis. And if you've been a follower of Jesus for any length of time, you know that it can be a daily invitation. It can be a, an hourly invitation. And so they are, first of all, um, Jesus says to us in Matthew 11, um, come to me. The context of this is, is so powerful in that it's just in that moment where Jesus is sending out his 12 disciples into the mission of the kingdom. He's given them a go. He's saying, go out, go into the towns and villages and do what it is I did. You know, do the things that I did. That's the context of it. And so Jesus says, come to me. As you, as you partner in the mission of the kingdom, come to me. All you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And, we've, and it, I want to reiterate again that we've, we've so misinterpreted this in, in many ways to think Jesus is saying, come to me and life is going to be sweet. It's going to be easy. Everything's going to go well. You're going to be able to eat whatever you want and still fit in those tight jeans and you'll look great. Like all of those sorts of things. We, and we laugh, but we know we've got that. We know like when things go wrong, it's like how often do we say, oh, well, God, what have I done wrong? But that's, that's not what Jesus is inviting us into when he's saying, come to me. The second is this, he says, come to me. And then he says, come, follow me, or be my disciple. The invitation of discipleship truly is the most profound opportunity that has been given to humanity. That, that it, is, it is, we get to surrender our life surrender our will. We get to die to all of the things that we want, to all of our perspectives. And in doing so, we get to partner with God in the redeeming of this world. We get to be part of the kingdom business of seeing God's kingdom come and put this crazy, messed up, broken world to right. You looking for a better offer? I don't know, like... Do you know, like, wow. 
You know, it is so much more. I'll let you in on a little secret. Like, I very rarely remember anything I say from week to week, other than if I go back to my notes. But one of the things I most, I miss about leading church is, is I love going to church, being part of church. And much to Angela's, like, Ugh, whenever we go away or go outside the area and stuff, I love going to church. I love coming and being where you are. And so one of the, and, and, I, and I've done it for most of my life. Um, but one of the, and I very rarely remember other sermons as well, and, I, and it always scares me when someone says something back that I said. Um, it's always a little bit of, oh, oh, shoot. But one of the sermons I most remember is we were on holiday and we went somewhere and we went to church and, and this, the guy got up and, and he just said, Jesus is not inviting you to accessorize your life with a little bit of him. And then he had a great photo of like a really, um, a, a person carrying a, a really lovely um, like handbag with a photo of Jesus on it. It's like so powerful, but it, you know, because it probably spoke to me. How often do we just try to add a bit of Jesus, a bit of zhuzh, to, to the world that we've created. This is our world, God. This is what we're doing. These are our plans. And if you could just give it a bit of sparkle, that'd be cool. That is not what Jesus is inviting us into. The, the invitation to come follow me, to, to be my disciple, is not an invitation to just be less bad. And finally, our third invitation is this. Is Jesus comes, and if you've got your Bible or a device with a Bible on it, um, turn there now um, to John 15, where Jesus says, remain in me, or another word is abide in me. If you remember in our um, series last year, if you can remember last year, Niall did a fantastic sermon on abiding in me. He used a fantastic um, icon as well, which I was super proud of. Um, he didn't know it was an icon at the time. I think he called it a little picture, which made my heart sad a little bit. But never mind. You throw your friends under the bus, don't you? Yeah. But the icon of the tree and Jesus in the middle and all the disciples around it. So, so it's and what's so powerful about it is, and the, even the icon that I talked about last week, is this is a message that over and over and over again in the 2,000 plus years of church history that is so valuable that we are invited again to respond to the invitation of being connected with Jesus, abiding in him, in him living in him, not just judging him up a little bit in your life when you need it. So John, John 15, I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of, the, of mine that does not produce fruit. And, the, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is, not, if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. As I said, the message 
translation puts it, live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you. Jesus isn't inviting us into a casual sort of when it suits relationship. A once in a while, like when things get real tough, yeah, then come on in. He isn't after us as a part-time hobby. I love, I love that we read um, Psalm 91 this morning. Just a beautiful psalm of David in in the Bible, who wrote David, who's a man after God's own heart. David, if you if you want to read the juiciest parts of the Bible um, with the most sort of like scandal, make sure you just find him in it. You know, he's he's the one that like crazy highs, incredible highs, incredible lows, mind blowing success, and like crazy. Oh my goodness, I hope my failures are never broadcast the way his are. You know, like incredible triumphs and heart-wrenching tragedies. And yet scripture says, that guy, that guy is a man after my own heart. I think it's why is because what we see in the heart of David in Psalm 91, he knew what it was to live in God. Like to really live there. You know, they say you never really know someone until you live with them. Husbands and wives, can I hear an amen? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, you never really know. And then it's too late after that point. <laughs> Not in my case. But, but what Jesus is inviting us into is the authenticity of living with him. What, what David understood in the writing of, of Psalm 91 and so many others is Jesus' invitation to live with him. For God to be our permanent home. Not, not just where we go on holiday. Not just a temporary kind of thing when it suits when the weather's right or we feel like it. He's inviting us to make our home there, to unpack everything. He's inviting us to, to invite him or to, to live in his presence so that no matter what goes on in this world, no matter what it is we face in each of those situations and circumstances that were represented and all those that will come for each of us, that we can, we can journey through them with him. That he isn't far off, but he's close that no matter what happens, he is with us. He is for us. You know, at the very core of, of the human need, and this, is, this we can see in Scripture, but we actually can see it throughout all of, of science and psychology, is one of, one of the core needs of what it is to be a human is, is as one of them is safety and security. Like, like we need it. It's, it's what's 
had a real shake in the last two years. It's sort of why Angie and I were saying it's so funny. This morning we had the conversation like, oh, do we, do we cancel church because there's a cyclone coming? And all of a sudden you feel like, shoot, oh, oh. And any other time it'd be like, oh, it's wind and it rain. It's not even raining. You know, like, but, but it's that it's, we've been shaken and what's become really, really, really poignant is we need security. And so often, what we've built our security around, well, actually, in the last couple of years, has become, it's been proven wanting. Our man-made security isn't that secure. The things that we really wanted to be there when we need it aren't there. But what Jesus' invitation is, is come to me, give your life to me, do, it, do what it is I did, live in me and you'll know the security that your soul needs. Like you've been made for this. The, the security that we need has got God's fingerprints all over it. And Jesus knows, David knew, and many who have gone before us knew, who can go through unbelievable difficulties and yet know that they put their hope and trust in you. We sang that song, All My Life You've Been Faithful. I remember singing that song in an environment where one of the people up on the stage singing it, I knew for a fact that both of their parents, one had, had committed suicide, the other had died tragically and as a young person they were singing that with no parents with a life in absolute and they were singing it full on like they meant it that's what we're talking about that's what Jesus the life that Jesus is inviting us into is though no matter what goes on you can know security you can know belonging you can know calling you can know you can know me Like Romans, in, in, again, um, the major writer of the New Testament, Apostle Paul, writes in Romans, and it doesn't get any better than in Romans 5. It says, but God shows his great love for us by sending his son to die for us while we were still yet sinners. We don't use that word very often, but what it means is even when we had no regard for him, even when we wasn't even on our radar because we were too busy doing our thing our way, God chose us. That's how much he loves us. That's the invitation. That's what we've been invited into. That, that God's invitation isn't just that he wants us to live in him. It isn't just to meet that, that core need for security. God's invitation to live in our life is because he loves us. And I wrote here, probably for, for me as much as anyone else, that God loves you, but he likes you too. Like, I somehow find it easy to think God loves me. I think because he has to. Ugh. You know, like it's just who he is. But he likes you. Like, I think there's some of us that need to really get that, that God actually really likes you. He does like you. Yeah. But he likes us. And, and we see that as we go on. If we were to read a little bit further back in, in um, John 15, 
It goes on to say, when he's talking about abiding and living in us, he says, love each other in the same way. This is just further on in John John 15. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. Now, that isn't just do what I say as a robot and then you're going to get the rewards of like a dog sitting when you get told to sit. Like you know that, eh? Like that's not what Scripture is saying. What Scripture is saying is live the way I've showed you to live. Do the things that I've showed you to do. Like, like model your life after me. Partner in the, in the work of the kingdom and this is what it's going to be. I no longer... You are my friends because you do what it is I did. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in a slave. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything that the Father has told me. You did not choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and to produce lasting fruit. Now, so over the last three weeks, we have, um, we've been sharing about um, our youth, and I want to do that again. One, because practically, this could be a little bit of an insight, practically, they say in the work of, of church, in basic um, 21st century church gathering, if you want to communicate anything to a church, you've got to do it consistently over three weeks because that's the nature of attendance in church. So if you've been here for the last three weeks, you are absolutely blowing statistics out of the water. Like, unbelievable. Um, so well done. So that, on a practical level, is why Niall has come up here um, and said the same thing, or virtually the same thing, over the next last three weeks. It's one, for a practical reason. Two, I think it's from a deeper reason, is that, that how do we go on? We don't want to move on from here. Like, actually, we need to see God move. And there is something about standing and waiting for God to move. There's something about digging our heels in and saying, we're not moving on from here because we're not. Because what in the world would we move on from? Like from youth. So from a... Are you going to say about... We haven't had any applications in for a youth pastor yet. So I'm not okay with that. Are you? So we're not moving on from it. So maybe now we'll do this every week. And that could be like an absolute... <laughs> no, you haven't done that badly. It won't make you suffer that much. But um, like, like we can't. Why would we? Great. Great segue. <laughs> Icons, pictures. Yeah. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 2,000 years of rich history crumbles. <laughs> Look at the pretty pictures. <laughs> I do get a bit like that when I'm uh, on the spot and I'm like, I'm trying to figure out what, what's the right word to say here. Yeah, I, I'm sure I, I've, I have... Um, don't, I'm just kidding. It doesn't matter. They don't care. It's ad, just a way of... Yeah. Admittedly, uh, we have gone back and, and sort of listened um, to, to, the, to the podcast 
And uh, there, are, there are definitely words in there that I clearly have made up that are not in the <laughs> dictionary. So um, I, I get a bit like that. But anyway, you'll, you'll have, to, have to forgive me there. Cool. So um, just wanted to um, come up, yeah, come up again and I guess just keep speaking into this narrative mm. of our heart behind youth uh, and the predicament um, that we're in, the challenge that we're facing in 2023, amongst other challenges um, uh, that are present as well. And, I mean, how crazy has it been uh, that, you know, we're, we're sitting here and the, the roof's sort of shaking a bit and, and we feel the wind. And, and to Lyndon's point, we were talking with some friends yesterday and it was kind of like, you know, if, if we hadn't have had the floods prior, this probably wouldn't have been a, much of a big deal, right? Like, it's just a, a quite a windy day, you know, just everyone, everyone be smart and, and, and things. But, you know, it's just the heightened chaos that we live in at the moment. And, and I guess... For, for, for me and, and for us, and I'm sure for many people in this church, that heightened um, sensitivity to this need and this want to get a youth pastor, mm. to fight for our youth, to contend for our youth. And so what we've done, the, the first Sunday we talked about sort of the reflections. We went through um, some of the, the, the data and the statistics on, on sort of youth um, up until this point and, and, and went through some of the um, uh, cool moments that we've had, especially in the last year. Um, we thanked all the parents that had put their hand up and were willing to um, help and cook for a meal. Um, those guest speakers that came and, and shared their hearts with our youth. Um, and, and, uh, and also, you know, at the helm of it all has been you know, four core people to, to really drive it, um, you know, and, and including Sam, Laura, and, and Nikki. But life looks different for us that have been at the helm at this for some time. Um, but the kingdom never stops. Youth never stop needing investment. And until the day that... that God's kingdom comes and, and completely takes over everything that's going on, there will always be a need. Mm. So the pursuit of a, a youth pastor, we want someone who can put in the work, who can put in the time, the mental headspace, the energy, the commitment, someone who has passion, desire, a love for Jesus, a love for youth, and someone trustworthy. We want someone in our network. We want someone that someone else knows. That is our desire. And what that means is that we all contend, we all journey with this. It is all of our responsibility, it is all of our duty to get involved with that. Last week we talked about sort of the heart behind youth, that the youth are the blood and vigor of every church. That they are the next generations, the next generation of believers and leaders in our world. Hmm. That the schools that they go to, that is their mission ground. And if we can equip them with tools that they can use, which they can get from a youth group as a platform, then that is our heart's desire that they would then go and invite their friends to youth, which we saw over the years, and, it was, and it's been incredible. The fact that in terms of the, the 46 to the 59 youth are sort of, that are on the books um, for Mahalangi Vineyard Church, that like, the, the core of those are, are either go to a different church or don't go to church at all. That's fantastic. Because the youth, youth group isn't just for the church. It's for our youth and our community. Youth is about an open invitation to um, be present together and experience Jesus together. That's more than just a Sunday event. It's a connection, a relationship that is done between 
the Sunday on Sundays. And that's largely where we've been lacking without a youth pastor is that connection between the Sundays and the Sundays. A youth pastor role that can come in and that can actually, to, for youth to be their focus. That is their role, that is their job, that is where they spend their time. It's creating a place for churchgoers, that this is an additional place that they can be influenced um, by others who are speaking the name of Jesus. My son Shiloh um, just turned 10 recently, and, and you know, I've always been someone that's, that's sort of listened to others when they've talked about, you know, make the most of the time because it goes so fast, you blink an eye and they're, you know, and they're, and they're older. And so I've been, you know, I've been someone that's been really attentive and to, to, to really try and make the most of every moment that I have with my kids. But you just can't help that he's 10 years old and it's like, holy smokes, you know? <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. I mean, in theory, in six years' time, you could be leaving home. You'd be lucky. <laughs> well, I, left, I, left, I left home at 16, so if he follows yeah, my yeah, footsteps, yeah. then uh, perhaps. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Sorry, did I say that out loud? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did leave home because... If you did, you, know, you should write a book and you'd be a billionaire by all these parents that had to get <laughs> My my son at least has some has decent parents uh, for the for the most part anyway. So um, anyway, that, that's a different story. Um, but what I, I think what I've realised in, in in him turning ten is and just you know just trying to think about youth and, and all the mm. things that are going on in our life is that as a parent I'm not a babysitter to my children, especially when it comes to spiritual influence. Mm. And there can be that temptation that, that youth group is the place that they need to go to in order to, to get something from God, or churches need the place they need to go to to get something from God. But as a parent, I'm not a babysitter. I am responsible to invest into my children, into their spiritual lives. And youth group and church and all these things are additional platforms that, that, that reaffirm that. Mm. Now, that's not going to be in, ev- in every case, and in some cases youth is going to be the only place that someone can go to to experience Jesus. And that hence the importance of what, why we do what we do. And so the question is, how do we contend? How do we contend for youth? I think the biggest thing is that we need skin in the game. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 3.27, I think, encapsulates this perfectly. It says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in your power to act. And there won't be one person in this room who would say that youth don't deserve our time or our investment. Mm. I have a story that I want to share, and, and when I share this story, um, it, it, is, it is a moment in my life where like, I'm pretty proud of that. So, so this is not me um, expressing that I'm, that I'm perfect, although my wife might say something otherwise. But um, So... The other, actually, the other day, I think it was last, last this week, this week or last week, um, I worked down in, in Ottawa, um, and I was, um, I can't remember if it was for my lunch break or, or whatever it was, but I went for a walk in to go grab a coffee. And unfortunately, my favourite coffee place, um, Bakerboo, just by the way, if you're interested, great place. Um, they went open, so I had to go somewhere else. Um, and as I was walking, there was this gentleman that was sitting on the side of just in a building, sort of in an alleyway, um, clearly not living his best life. Um, and so 
I'm always confronted in those moments. Um, uh, it's happened before in Aotearoa as well, um, where I, I, I see this person, they don't have a home, or I don't know what's going on, but they are, they are sitting there miserable. And I have this decision uh, to make. You know, do I think to myself, someone else, someone else, surely someone else will show kindness. Someone else will do something, surely. How many, how many people are in Ottawa, right? How many people are walking past this gentleman? Someone else will show kindness. Or I'm too busy. I'm, I'm, I've, got a, I've got a goal. My lunch break is only a certain amount of time. I've got to get back to work. Or just the sense of it's just a real shame that people are living life like that and there's just not enough people around to help them. Hmm. Or I can not withhold good. I can show kindness when it's in my power to act. And so I went to the, I, I walked past a gentleman, I didn't say anything, um, went and got a coffee, ordered a hot chocolate, walked past, said to the gentleman, do you drink hot chocolate? I was hoping he was going to say yes. <laughs> I'm dairy free. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Is it organic? Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and he was like, oh yeah, man. Had a couple of marshmallows on there. Um, just gave it to him, gave him a fist bump, asked him what his name was, told him my name, had a brief chat, and then I carried on. And that was it. Like, it, wasn't, it wasn't, you know, the heavens parted open and Jesus ascended, and, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't any of that at all, but it was an act of kindness. He, he was surprised. He was shocked. Hmm. I got to know his name, and now I can pray for him. Hmm. And when I see him again, I can start to build a relationship. Maybe next time I can buy him a burger. Hmm. Or maybe next time I can invite him and we can sit at the cafe together. God willing, I'll get to see him again. And that, that is skin in the game. Hmm. Now, admittedly, there's been plenty of times where that hasn't happened. So this isn't a story of, well, no, you know, you've got skin in the game. But in that moment, I had skin in the game. And so... Some practical examples of skin in the game here uh, is a youth pastor takes finance. And it's difficult for me, and please hear my heart when I say this, it's difficult for me to say, well, we should, the church should just finance a youth pastor and pay them a full-time role, but I sit here and I don't give, I don't tithe. Now, there may be various reasons that I might not do that, but it's hard for me to have skin in the game and to speak like that if, if, I'm, if I'm not in the field itself. It's hard for me to have skin in the game and say, man, I wish we just had more volunteers and I'm not myself putting my hand up and saying, hey, I can help. And if I'm to be really, really open and honest, uh, and there may be various reasons for this, but I sent an email uh, about uh, last week. I've had one parent say that I'm willing to help on a Sunday morning with the year seven and eights. And if you haven't received that email, please, please let me know. If it's gone to spam, um, maybe check that, or if we don't have your email address right, whatever it may be. But we emailed all the parents. And so my heart is that, again, not one person in this room would say that youth aren't worth investing into. Everyone would say that. Everyone would say that youth are worth, are worth investing into financially. Youth are worth, are worth investing into with my time. 
or perhaps you've got other skills or, or, or things that, that you can um, present that would, that would help. But those are just two very, very practical examples of that. Um, I've had a few people, and the reason why I bring that up is because I've had a few people say, hey, the 20 hours um, is, is a bit of a block. Um, it probably will cut down the, the amount of people that would be willing to um, put their name forward, and I totally get that and agree. Um, we sent in, uh, an update in our Vineyard um, Weekly Connector. Again, if you don't get those, please, um, please sign up to them because they're really, really helpful in terms of um, communicating. Um, is that look if you got if you know someone that is looking for a full time role, please get them to apply. We can have that conversation. We can find an alternative. I, I know I know that there is a balance of another twenty hours in different areas in our community that would that would balance it out to make it the forty. Or we can have a conversation with them around what that looks like at Vineyard. Mm-hmm. But it does take all of us to to have skin in the game. So whatever capacity and degree that looks like for you. If it was someone else walking past that gentleman um, in Ottawa, maybe your way of doing that would have been to actually sit down with them and have a conversation rather than buying hot chocolate. Or maybe you would have bought a, a bagel instead or whatever it might be. Everyone has, Everyone is unique and can provide and help and have skin in the game in different ways. I'm not saying that there's one way to do it. Mm. But let's fight for our youth. Let's fight for our youth. When a man prepares for the day of battle, uh, sorry, a man prepares for the day of battle, but it is the Lord who brings the victory. When we work in the realm of the possible and do everything that we can, then we can truly trust God to bring the outcome, Mm. to work in the impossible. We can't control the outcome, but we can control the next thing in front of us. And we can do it with all of our heart. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it is in our power to act. And so some practical next steps from here as I wrap up. The email that I sent was somewhat of an SOS. So if you haven't yet read it, please read it. If you haven't got it, let me know after the service. We can make sure that we've got your email right. Check your spam as well. Or if you, just, if you have read it and just haven't had time to reply, totally get it. But if you can make it a priority, that would be fantastic because the sooner that we can get the hands up and say, hey, we can, we can help, the sooner we can get this ball rolling. Um, we've also, um, in terms of Easter camp, um, we've had a couple of people uh, that have put their hand up for that. Um, so we're looking for camp mum and dads to go along and to, um, to be present at Easter camp. Um, Sam is working out all the details. He's actually meeting with the vineyard, the other local vineyard uh, churches and leaders to make a bit of a plan um, given our situation. This is all pending a youth pastor. By then, praise God, we'll have a youth pastor to help organise that. Come on, bring it on. Um, you would have received the email of the job description. Please, please, please send it out to your networks. If you've already done it, if, if there's someone else that you can think of, you know, keep sending it out. If you haven't got that yet, please let us know. And please also know that, hey, don't let the 20 hours be the sticking point for someone not signing up. Mm. Um, just have, have them sign up if, if there's interest there. And pray. We look to God mm. in the impossible as we do our part in the possible. God brings victory when we prepare. So let's all, in whatever way, the capacity and the season that we're in, let's all have skin in the game. Mm. Cool. Why don't we stand?
Um, and those, as you pray too, can you do so with, um, <coughs> excuse me, with a bit of a journal? And if you feel like God has given you any pictures or any anything in that um, that that would be helpful, please um, write those things down, share them, um, and um, we'd.